Thank you, Greg, and those that serve with you, leading us in worship. I would ask that you would take your Bible, that you would open your Bible, turn your Bible on, and you would join me in Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. When you came in, hopefully you got one of these bulletins on the back of that. There'll be some notes if you want to follow along as we study through God's Word together. They should be behind me on the screen, hopefully. But we are going to be in Exodus chapter 3. We have been walking through on Sunday mornings a series of lessons and sermons starting in the book of Exodus. And particularly looking at how the book of Exodus shows us how God sets us apart as a people. How God set the Israelites, the Jewish people, apart. How he set them apart. And then trying to uh, attempting to draw some lines on how then God sets us apart even still today. So we've talked about the providence of God. We've talked about the plans of God. And this morning um, here in Exodus chapter 3, I hope that you'll see with me during our time together how God has a plan. And part of God setting us apart and part of us being set apart is in the plan of God. Just this last Tuesday was the State of the Union Address. In that event, the President of the United States addresses a joint session of Congress. And not only do you have the U.S. Senators, you have the U.S. Representatives, but also in the room you have Supreme Court Justices, you have a great number of the President's Cabinet, as well as some of the military leaders are all in the room. And so I am sitting there and I'm watching the State of the Union dress and I've got my two oldest boys and we're watching together. And they would, from time to time, go to different shots of different prominent people in our nation. One of my sons would say, well, who's that? Well, that is Janet Yellen. She is in the president's cabinet. Well, who is that? Well, that's uh, Amy Coney Barrett. She is one of the Supreme Court justices. Well, who is that? Well, that is Senator McMullen representing the state of Oklahoma. Well, who is that? Well, that is so-and-so. Who is that? That is so-and-so. And every person that I named off both had a name and a title, a role, a purpose, a position that they played in our government. The same thing is true of the church. A lot of times people come in and they want to know who does this role, who does this, who has this position, who has this place of service. But the danger is, is that sometimes we come in on a Sunday morning like this and we just assume that if you're not a Sunday school teacher, if you don't serve on this platform, then you're just a nobody. And my aim this morning is to remind you that the most important place in this church is right where you are seated. Because the most important people in this church are the people sitting in the chair where you're at. Why? Because you are the hands and feet of Jesus. Because you are the indwelling place of the Holy Spirit if you are saved. And because you are meant to be soldiers in the kingdom of of God. And sometimes we can come in on a Sunday morning and we can just assume, well, I'm just coming in to receive. I'm just coming in to listen. I am just coming in to be spoken to. And we forget who we are, our place, our purpose, the plan that God has for us. And so my main aim this morning is to remind you not only that God has a plan for you, but then some of you need to be reminded this morning that God can use you. 
And I don't care if you're 90 years old. I don't care if you're five years old. Not only does God have a plan for you, but God has a use for you. And I don't care about where you've been in your life. I don't care where you're at right now in your life. God has a plan for you. There's not a single person in this room that is understanding the words that come out of my mouth that God does not have a plan and that God cannot use you. And I see this in the life of Moses. Moses is introduced again in chapter 3 and verse 1. The story is following Moses. Moses was the one that wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so the next chapter of Moses' life then is picked up in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 2. One. And what I want to do this morning is just give you, hopefully, some encouragement today. Because you are sitting here and you may be saying, well, I don't know what God wants to do with me. I don't know how God can use me. I don't know what, where, where God is at. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And all these things, all these doubts and all these apprehensions start flooding your mind. And I want us to just look at the life of Moses and especially the call of Moses. And then recognize there are some direct lines that we can take from the way that God called Moses to the way that God calls us today. Because it doesn't matter whether you're called to be a preacher, or whether you're called to be a pastor, called to be a deacon, called to be a Sunday school teacher. You might be used by God for a variety of reasons. How does God do that? Chapter 3 and verse 1. If you will pick it up with me, I will read aloud if you will follow along in your copy of God's word. But listen to how Moses writes the story. In verse 1 it says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked. And behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the the bush is not burned. But when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to continue on all the way through verse 12 during our time together this morning. But I want to give you your first piece of encouragement this morning that we see out of these first four verses. And the first thing I want to remind you of this morning is that God knows where you are. God knows where you are. You look back up there in verse 1, it tells us some information, some information that we might not readily, easily understand. Some of your Bibles may, towards the back, in the maps, may have a map about the uh, time of Moses and the calling of Moses. But it tells us there in verse 1 where Moses was at. He was not only keeping the the flock of his father-in-law, but he was on the west side of the wilderness near the mountain of Horeb, or Horeb, however you want to pronounce it. And it gives us a geographical setting of where that's at. Now, I wish that I could uh, bring a big old map and I could show it to you, but you're just going to have to imagine in your mind, if you have the country of Egypt, then to the east of the country of Egypt, you have the the area known as the Sinai. It's flanked on both sides like an upside-down triangle. It's flanked on both sides by the Red Sea. And there to the east, what is modern-day Saudi Arabia. So when Moses had left Egypt, and it talks about that in chapter 2, Moses had left Egypt and he had fleed from Pharaoh. He had fleed from being killed by Pharaoh for what he had done against the Egyptian people. When he fleed, he found himself in the land of Midian. Got married, had a couple of kids, 
And now his job is to tend for the flock of his father-in-law. And now he is hundreds of miles from home base in Midian. He is hundreds of miles from where he grew up at in Egypt. He is out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of nothing, wandering around, following these sheep from place to place, and yet God knows where he is. I want you to hear from me this morning that God knows where you are. He knows where you are vocationally. He knows where you are emotionally. He knows where you are physically. He knows where you are spiritually. God knows where you are. Now Moses, where was Moses? Well, Moses was far away. He was far away from where he started. If you go back up into chapter 1, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 10, it talks about how Moses was born in Egypt. He was raised for a number of years by his mother. Then he was taken into Pharaoh's house. He was taken as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised up in that Egyptian culture in the land of the palace as a grandson of the, the Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful person in the world at that time. He had gone from that to that to that, and now he finds himself, and most scholars think he's brought around 80 years old. He finds himself now at 80 years old chasing sheep in the desert. Sometimes you get to the point in your life that you think God, does, God has forgotten about you. Or you get to the point in your life that you think that God doesn't care about you. Or you get to the point in your life that you think that God can't find you. Or you get to the point in your life that you think that God doesn't care about you. And yet over and over we're reminded that God knows where we are. Moses was different, distant from his family, from his future, and from his God. And it tells us here in these first four verses that Moses was out in the middle of nowhere, minding his own business, doing his own thing, and yet God knew where he was. Some of you young people, you're sitting in school, and the world around you tells you that you're too young. Oh, you're not old enough yet. And yet, the culture says you're old enough. You're old enough to understand images. You're old enough to understand ideas. You're old enough to get words and songs and tricky things in your head. You're old enough to know what you want. You're old enough to know what you like. All these things. And yet, sometimes we start to think that God is for adults, that God is for older people. And I would remind you, God knows where you are, and God knows where he wants you, and that God has a plan for you. So right here in these first four verses, God comes to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses, he's calling out of the bush, and Moses knows that it is God. And yet, so many times in our lives, we are doing a lot of different things, going in a lot of different directions, and not going after God. If you look there in these first four verses, what is Moses doing? Moses is not saying, I'm going to walk around here and try to find God. He's not going around and going, I wonder what God has planned for my life. I wonder what God's purpose is for my life. No, what he's doing is he's pursuing earthly things. Where do you get that from, Spence? Well, it tells you in verse 1 that he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. What is he doing? Well, in that culture and in that setting, when you were a shepherd and you were tending to the flock, you didn't just keep them the same 10 acres. Why? Because of the conditions and because of the environment, it wouldn't support the grass and it wouldn't support the livestock and it wouldn't support the animals. So what you did is you became, you became a wanderer. 
Grass would grow over there, and you would lead your flock over here. So you'd head over to Warwick, and you would pasture your flock over in Warwick. And then you would eat all that grass up. And then you would head down to Rossville, and you would pasture your flock down there in Rossville. And you'd eat all that grass up. And then you would head over there to Luther, and you would pasture your flock over in Luther. And then when you got done over there, you would head up here to Fallis, and you would pasture your flock at Fallis. And you just had this circuit. You were just going back and forth wherever you could find the green grass. No plan. No purpose, no direction, just chasing the green grass. You know, I think there's some I think there's some connections we can make to our lives today. How much of our lives we spend just chasing the green grass. For all of the grief I try to give him that he gives me in return, Evan has, has challenged me in many ways. And he sent me a picture here not too long ago, and I probably, he probably even forgot it. But he sent me a, a screenshot, and on the screenshot it said something like, eight to five pays your bills. Five to ten builds your legacy. And that has stuck with me because it made me think how much of my day I spend just paying bills. And how much of my day I spend just chasing the green grass. I don't have a big purpose. I don't have a big plan. I don't have a big concept. And I go and I leave for work and the boys say, Daddy, where you're going? Well, I got to go pay the electric bill today. I got to go pay the heating bill today. I got to go pay the phone bill today. I got to go pay the car payment today. And I think to myself, when I'm leaving and I'm going to work, I'm just going and paying bills. And yet so many times we see in God's word that we can get distracted, that we can get caught up in chasing the green grass and instead of chasing the things of God. And Moses is out there in the wilderness. We don't have any indication that he's pursuing after all. We don't have any indication that he's thinking about God. We don't have any indication that he is focused on the things and the purpose and the plan of God. He is just out there chasing green grass. And I told, I will warn you and I will plead with you and I will encourage you this morning that if you let Satan do it, he will keep you content with just chasing green grass. Another raise. More money, a nicer house, a little better vacation, a new iPhone. He will keep you chasing green grass. But what a blessing it is that God knows where we are. The text goes on. The text goes on there in <coughs> verse 5. So God comes down, he's in the bush, the bush is aflame, and God calls out to Moses. And at the last part of verse 4, Moses says, and here I am. And then what does God say? Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. There's a second piece of encouragement that I want to put in front of your minds and hearts this morning. And not only is it that God knows where you are, but that God knows who you are. That God knows who you are. Now there's several things that it strike me as encouraging here in this text. The first thing is that God came to Moses. Notice how the, the text lays out. Moses is wandering around, chasing the green grass, following the flocks, out there in the middle of nowhere, out there by himself with just a bunch of dirty, stinky, ignorant sheep, and he's just out there minding his own business. And what happens? It says the Lord of the God came down 
consumed the bush. It was burning. And who came to who? God came to Moses. What do we celebrate around Christmas? That Christ came to us. What do we celebrate in John chapter 3 and verse 16? That God sent his son to us. Over and over again, we see the mercy, we see the grace, we see the providence, and we see the plan of God. And that God came to Moses. He comes to Moses. Not only does he just show up and his presence is there, but then he speaks to Moses. I put there in your notes, not only did God come to Moses, he came to Moses, but he called to Moses. What does he say? He says, Moses, Moses in verse 4. And then he tells him in verse 5, Do not come near. Take off your sandals of your feet, for the place in which you're standing is holy ground. He came to Moses, and he called to Moses, and then he confirmed to Moses, I know who you are. Many times the people that we see in church is not the people that they are. Many times, it's easy for us to look right, act right, talk right here. And it's terribly convicting as a father and a husband that the things that I may say on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, how often I am guilty of inconsistency. And your children see it. Your children know it. Oftentimes they have more grace than I do because they don't throw it in my face. And the same thing happens with us adults. My wife and I are not the only couple that have fought on the way to church. My wife and I are not the only couple with children that have had difficulties with our children before church. My wife and I are not the only couple that have sat in church together, separated emotionally. And we're not the only couple that has ever come to church that came in and people said, well, how are y'all doing? Oh, we're doing great. How are y'all doing? Oh, y'all are doing fine. And then you sit there and you look the part and then inside you know we are not the part. But yet God knows who you are. God knows your insecurities. God knows your doubts. God knows your fears. God knows your sin. God knows your failures. God knows your shortcomings. God knows all of these things about you. And yet God knew the same thing about Moses. If you go back there to chapter 2 and you see verse 11 all the way down through verse 22, you will get the backstory of where Moses, how Moses got to the wilderness. You see, I told you that Moses was born, and yet during that time, Pharaoh had said that all the male children have to be killed and thrown into the Nile. And so Moses' mother said, I can't kill him. So she put him in the basket. Left him in the, the, the bulrushes in the river, the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe, finds Moses, says, Oh, what a sweet little baby, and decides that she is going to care for that little sweet Hebrew child. So then <coughs> Moses' sister says, Well, how about have this woman nurse him just happen to be the mother? So that Pharaoh's daughter said, Okay. So Moses goes. He stays with his biological family for a season of time until he gets weaned. And then he goes into the house of Pharaoh. And he grows up to about 40 years old in the house of Pharaoh. He's right there dining with the 
the most powerful man in the world at that time. And then about the age of 40, he realizes that, you know what? I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. And he decides then to go out and identify with the Hebrew people. And when he's out there, he sees the, the cruelty. He sees the, the harshness of the Egyptian people towards the Hebrews. And so he, he defends one of the Hebrews, kills an Egyptian, hides the Egyptian's body. And the next day he is sitting there with the Hebrews and the Hebrews won't accept him because of what he did and the Egyptians won't accept him because of what he did and then he decides when Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill you, he decides, not today, I can run faster than you and he takes off to the wilderness. And so now 40 years later he is in the wilderness, 80 years old and can you imagine him sitting there going, God, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I haven't done. You don't know where I've been in life. God, you don't know me. And I want to remind you this morning that God knows who you are. Maybe this doesn't happen to you. I've been getting these phone calls lately. And they come in spurts, but you know, the phone rings, you answer it, hello, and then you hear that odd silence, and then you hear the click where it transfers over to the salesperson. The salesperson says, Hello, are you a child? I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's just, that's how it sounds. So, are you Charles McConnell? Yes, I am. Well, do you have homeowners and auto insurance with farmers, with a farm? Farmer, Farm Bureau or Farmer's Insurance or something like that. And I say, no, I do not. Well, sir, our records indicate, no, I do not. And then they hang up on me. Rude. But, you know, they call and they assume that you have this identity. And they have mistaken who you are. They have mistaken on how you're living your life. They have this mistaken identity. And sometimes we think that with God. We go to God and we're like, God, you know what? I know that you said that you can use me. I know that you said you can have a plan for me. But, God, I don't think you know who I am. I don't think you know where I've been. I don't think you know what I've done. I don't think you know what I thought. I don't think you know how I've treated you. God, I don't think you know who I am. And yet when God comes and when God calls, it's not because God has mistaken. He thought you were a different person. He got the address wrong. He got the phone number wrong. No, God who knows who you are because God created you. Amen. And one of the greatest lies of Satan is getting us into a position in life that we think that we are of no use and of no value to the kingdom of God. And I wonder how many times Moses was out there in the middle of the wilderness and Moses thought to himself, not only has God forgotten me, but God doesn't even know who I am. And if God did know who I was, how disappointed God might be in me. So God knows you. God knows where you, God knows where you are and God knows who you are. I would so encourage you this morning that it's not a matter of saying, well, you know, we're going uh, to give you comfort in your sin, but I do want you to know that there is not a single sin represented in this room that defines you for the rest of your life. There's not a single failure that defines you for the rest of your life. And if Moses at 80 years old can get a calling from God to serve God, then why can't you at 15 years old get a calling from God to serve God? 
Why can't you at 35 years old get a calling from God to serve God? Why can't you at 55 years old get a calling from God to serve God? Why can't you at 75 years old get a calling from God to serve God? And if he can do that with a murderer, and if he can do that with a coward, and he can do it for someone that ran away and, 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 and disguised who he was for so many years, he can do it with somebody that doesn't care anything about God, that is just searching out for green gas. What can God do with you if you are willing to submit yourself and say, God, here I am. So what does he do? So Moses is sitting there. God says, take off your sandals for you are on holy ground. He is speaking to Moses. He confirms, I know who you are, Moses, and I want you to know who I am. He says in verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he's afraid to look at God. When he knew who God was, he was fearful of God. The reason why we have a society today that is so flippant with the things of God because they don't know God. If you watched the Grammys a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry. That debauchery and Satan worship that took place on that stage, not only is it a travesty and unbiblical in the highest, in the highest order, but it's a representation that those individuals do not know God. And brothers and sisters, it tells us in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, For my determined purposes, at that I may know him. I don't know of anybody that is pursuing after God, pursuing after the things of God that do not fear God. And so Moses, Moses is sitting there. Not only does God know where he's at, God knows who he is. And then you get down to verse 7, and then God says, All right, Moses. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter who you are. I have a plan for you. Verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now behold... The cry of the people of Israel have come up to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out or children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God gives Moses the plan. And it wasn't plan, the plan was not dependent upon what Moses had done 30 years ago. The plan was not dependent upon what Moses wanted to do. The plan was based upon the providence and the purpose of God. And so what does God tell Moses here in this passage? He tells Moses, I have a plan for you. A plan for when? A plan for tomorrow. God has a plan for your tomorrow. What does he want Moses to do? He says, Moses, I'm going to have you go back to Egypt, and you're going to lead my people out of bondage. You can just imagine Moses is like, yeah, well, um, God, um, problem with that. And we'll get to this in the next weeks ahead, but it's like you can only imagine Moses like, God, you don't understand. You must not know Pharaoh, and you must not know Egypt, and you might not, might know, might not know my past. That is there. Oh, God, you may not be aware with what is going on. God, you may be confused. And God says, no. I've got a plan. 
And not a plan for your next year when you get all your stuff figured out and you've got this all sorted through. I've got a plan for your tomorrow. You think maybe there's a reason why God doesn't tell us what he's going to have us do in six months? Maybe it's because he knows all we're going to do is just plan the dickens out of it. That we're going to try to control it. That we're going to try to dictate it. That we're going to try to manipulate it. That we're going to try to craft it in our own thing. We're a people that sit down and we like to plan. We like to think. We like to think ahead. And I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with thinking ahead. But I'm saying that we are a people that like to have this all figured out. Today I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. And the, the next day I'm going to do that. And all these things on and on and on. And God says, I have a plan for you. And you're like, all right, God, what's your plan? And he says, do what I called you to do. Well, how am I going to do that, God? I need to know what I'm going to do in three weeks and three months and three years. I need to have it all planned out step by step by step. And God said, no, 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 no. Here's my plan. You're going to go to all the nations. And you're going to baptize them and teach them how to be obedient and submissive to me. You're going to go out in your communities. You're going to go to your families. You're going to go to your coworkers. You're going to go to your neighborhoods. And you're going to tell them about Jesus. And you're going to tell them about what Jesus has done for them. And you're going to invite them to have a personal relationship, real fellowship with Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what you're going to do. Well, 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 no, no, no. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your tomorrow. And not just a plan for your tomorrow, a plan for your purpose. Why was he sending Moses to do that? Because the people of Israel needed saving. Every person that you know in your circle of influence that is lost needs saved. And maybe your purpose for knowing the word of God, maybe your purpose for having a proper relationship with God, maybe your purpose... And your service to God is to say, I'm going to tell that other person about Jesus. Oh, well, I have to have a title. Okay, I'll give you a title. The Word of God gives you a title. You are a follower of Jesus. No, Spence, I need a different title. I need a title that says something about ministry leader or spiritual advisor. I need some type of title. You have a title. You have the greatest title of all times, follower of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us in this room has a title, a follower of Jesus Christ. And he tells him here in this passage, in verse 7 down through verse 12, God says, this is what I want you to do tomorrow. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to bring my people out. I have a plan, and this is the purpose. Why you are going to do it? Because my people need saving. And then he says, verse 12, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Not only is he giving Moses a plan for tomorrow, not only is he giving Moses a purpose for his life, but Moses, or God is giving Moses a plan for what he's going to do with the life that God has given him. And he's giving all of this to Moses. Because God has a plan for Moses. Every single one of you in this room, from Autry to Ezra to Caden to Greg to Wayne, God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter about your age. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God has a plan for you tomorrow. God has a plan for me tomorrow. God has a plan for you tomorrow. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your purpose and what you do. God 
has a plan. But as we, we look at this, maybe makes us think about, then why do we have regrets in life? If you've lived long enough, most likely you have regrets. What is the source of regrets? You see, sometimes we'll find ourselves in life, and I don't know about you, but I have found myself in the years that I've been um, blessed to be a father with moments that you say, you know what, I wish I could have had that one back. I wish I could have taken that one back. There's conversations sometimes I've had with my wife, Jaylene, and you say things, and as they come out of your mouth, you're like, whoa, that's a bad idea. And you're reaching to try to capture them, to pull them back before they get away and into your ears, and it's, it's too late. Things you may say at work, things you don't say at work, regrets in life. Where do they come from? I would challenge you this morning and submit to you this morning that the source of our guilt, the source of our shame, the source of our embarrassment is never from God or following the plan and purpose of God. My testimony is there has never been a day that I've looked back where I have been faithfully serving the plan and purpose God has for my life, and I look back and go, you know what, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I had done it differently. Every time I look back in my personal life and I can see regret, I can see failure, or I can see just shame or guilt or thinking, oh man, I could have done that better. It's always because I was doing my thing, my way, on my plan, instead of God's way on God's plan. So God tells Moses, I know where you are, I know who you are, and I have a plan for what you're going to do. And I submit to you this morning that every single one of us are in that same place this morning. God knows where you are. God knows who you are. And that God has a plan for what he is going to do with you. So then how do we take this and put this in our lives? How do we apply this in seeking to live a set-apart life in 2023? Well, the bottom of your notes, you'll just see a, a few, uh, just three ways of application that I want to put in front of you before we leave this morning. The first one is this. Yesterday may describe us, but tomorrow defines us. Yesterday may describe us, but tomorrow defines us. What I mean by that, it's not a matter of saying, well, you know what, this is what I was doing, or this is who I was, and this is what I've done, and this is all the things the world will want to keep holding over your head. And I can tell you, I'm a, I, 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 I have a testimony of Satan always bringing up the skeletons, always bringing up the bones. Setting in the Dollar Gentle last night, buying some milk, and there is a man in front of me that I know who he is, and I didn't think he knew who I was. And he looks at me, and I can tell that he recognizes me, but I'm thinking he hasn't figured out my name. And I called him by name, and he called me by name. The fact that, the fact that so many times Satan will bring up, bring up the past, both the good and the bad past. He will constantly be bringing it up, trying to rub it in your nose and say, see, you're not worthy. See, you have no place. See, you're just a worthless 
piece of nothing. See, God can't use you. See, God won't use you. See, God can't use you. And I want to remind you that when you're in those moments, it's not the matter that you're trying to erase the past, but you recognize while the past may describe me, tomorrow is what defines me. What I do for God tomorrow, how I live my life tomorrow, that is what defines me, not yesterday, but tomorrow. And then secondly, I want you to understand that God is still calling God is still calling. And it may not be as miraculous or as big of a thing as God called me to foreign missions and now I'm headed over to the Congo. Or it may not be that God has called me to pastor. It may not be that God has called me to serve in leadership. It may be that God has called me to be faithful. God has called me to serve the kingdom of God. God has called me to serve in so many of the tasks that need to be done week in and week out here. Even in this church, God has called me to serve his kingdom. God is still calling. Some of you young people in this church, some of you older people in this church, God is still calling. Calling you to teach. Calling you to witness. Calling you to serve. Calling you to follow. God is still calling. And then I think if Moses was going to come back and stand in this room and goes was going to talk about this chapter, one of the things I think that Moses would remind us of this morning is that no matter where you get in your stage of life, God is not through with you. God is not through with you. Some of you are in the years of life that you are looking to slow down and take it easy. Some of you are in the years of life that you're just trying to get everything you can get. Some of you are in the years of life that you don't know what you want to do. Some of you are are different stages in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what your chronological age is, no matter what your physical condition is, God is not through with you. In our society we have seasons of retirement. In society we have seasons of unemployment. In society we have seasons of preparation. But I want to remind you this morning that Moses is sitting there 80 years old. He's in the wilderness. He's been gone for 40 years and God says, I'm not through with you. And I want to remind you this morning that God is not through with you. There's not a single person in this room that God doesn't have a plan for tomorrow. There's not a single person in this room that God doesn't have a purpose for your life. There's not a single purpose person in this room that God can not use for his glory and for his kingdom. And yet so many times we find ourselves coming to church, already putting ourselves in a box, already putting ourselves in a position, in a place, in a purpose, already assuming that we know what our plan is, and we don't just listen to God speak to us. Moses is in the wilderness. He sees the burning bush. Goes to investigate further, walks up to the burning bush, and God speaks to him. What would God say to you if you decided to be quiet and listen to God? That you'd be willing to turn aside from all your plans and your purposes and your intentions. You'd be willing to turn aside from your busyness. You'd be willing to turn aside from all the things that this world says is important. You'd just be willing to turn aside and say, here, God, I am.
speak to me. Maybe if some of you young people be willing to turn aside from all the things this world says is success and all these metrics of what it means to be successful. And you would just turn aside and listen to God. Maybe if even as adults in this room would be willing to turn aside and listen to God. I say, God, here I am. And God, as long as you give me tomorrow, you have a plan for my tomorrow. So God, I'm asking that you tell me what you would have me do. What would that do to our homes? What would that do with our relationships? What would that do in the life and the ministry of this church? God can use you. Are you asking God to use you today? Bow your heads with me.